Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. You know what? You know what happened is my my usual golf day is is on Wednesday, and I, that's like my when you're working seven days a week, you lose track of the days, right? So <laughs> my golf day is usually on Wednesday afternoons, but I can't. I, I played a little yesterday, so now my mind's like, okay, this is my day. So anyway, welcome into the JP Peterson show on this hump day as uh, as we uh, get rolling. The Rays win last night. The Yankees are still cheating. <laughs> Isn't it interesting in the world that we live in that you accuse others of doing what you're doing? Oh, where have we seen that before? Oh, wow. Well, if, it, if it's going to happen that way, it's going to happen in New York. Anyway, welcome into the J.P. Peterson Show, brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S Law Group.com, Bay Area Modern Medical Center as well. Uh, we got lots to get to today, including the Yankees cheating again. Uh, and we got the Rays winning again, and the Rays hitting home runs again, and the Rays beating a New York team again. So not much new on the broadcast, but uh, it's the same old, same old, and we absolutely love it in, in Tampa Bay. Um, so, yeah, we'll get into that. We got uh, PGA Championship coming up this week. We'll be talking about that. Uh, global warming definitely hitting Rochester this weekend, no question about it. In the middle of May, it's 38 degrees and windy in Rochester. And uh, the NBA lottery went down last night. Sorry, Orlando Magic fans, you did not win. I didn't the lottery. You did not win, Victor. Wimby, my uh, hold on. I had this all down too. I practiced it. Wimby, Wendy, die. Have <laughs> screw it. You're killing me here. Give it a shot, Nick. You're Victor Winbayama. Victor Winbayama. Who Winbayama? Which I think there's another. I think there's an uh, There's another syllable in there. Wind by Yama? Is that what you're saying? Wind Banyama. Wind Banyama. Wind Banyama. Okay. Uh, well, I better get used to saying his name because, once again, what about I mean, the Spurs? What kind of clover do they have up their ass? I guess they, time- I guess they had gotten Pat Williams' little, little uh, rabbit's foot. I didn't have that one yesterday. I had, yeah. the, I had the wrong one. What pick did the Magic get? The Magic got 6 and 11. They had two lottery picks. They got 6 and 11. And how about this? Okay. The kicker, they were one number short on the lottery of getting the number one overall pick. Because oh, it's like really? one of those systems where you have like the one, two, three, four numbers that kind of like expose themselves. I can't even right. think of the word for it right now. The Magic had the first three numbers right, and they were just off by the fourth. So they were that close to getting the number one pick. Story of my lottery life right there. One number away. Absolutely. Well, um, still – that's an opportunity with Bancaro to, uh, you know, to remake your team a little bit. I'm Packa- not having really looked at both the draft the picks. yet. Package both the picks. You send them first star. Yeah. Is there anybody else besides Victor in this draft? There's Scoot Henderson. He's the Scoot big. He's the, he's the big one. Scoot Henderson, and then Brandon Miller, if you recall from Alabama. What about Brawny? 
This Bronny is not, in this draft this is next not, year? This is not the Bronny draft. The, oh, so he's, that's right. He's going to USC next year, the, and then it's the Bronny draft. Yeah, the Magic should draft Bronny the following year, even if they overpay, so that they can get LeBron for at least a year. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, that, that'll, that'll so work. The that'll ultimate work. plan is still on board. All right, the process is working. The is that process, what you're saying? The, the process is back The process is working. All right, well, let, let's get into uh, the Rays last night as they get two home runs from Itzak. Baredes off of uh, Justin Verlander to give them um, was an eight to five win. By the way, the only highlight of that game that was shown on Sports Center this morning, as far as I saw, was the home run by the polar bear. Not the home run by the polar not bear. Not shocking at all. Uh, it, it, a meaningless. I mean, no, no offense to our Tampa guy, uh, Pete Alonso, but a meaningless home run um, to make it what seven to three is the only highlight we get. Um, for the race. That's all right. Keep disrespecting them. Keep disrespecting them. That's just fine because all they'll do is just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. Um, so, you know, again, they piece it together with, uh, with, with uh, Beaks and Chirinos. They do what they got to do and beat a – man, I'm looking at that Mets lineup going, how are these guys – well, they're 20 and 23 now. Yep. And Verlander on a mound, this lineup, and you suck that bad. You suck that bad. Well, how is that, how is that even – Baseball is a funny game. Baseball is a crazy funny game, but did you just watch the Rays just continue to match? And, you know, we're sitting here, you know, at 32 and 11, right? 32 and 11, and saying we should have taken at the very least three or four from the Yankees, probably should have swept them, right? But you don't want to get that greedy. And if not for just an absolute ridiculous number of injuries to this pitching staff, this team could could be even better, even better. Now, last night, Glass now throws four innings, four innings, so a possible 12 outs, right, by my FSU math, Yep. right, four times three. Nine of them by strikeout. I don't care if it's triple-A, double-A, or single-A. You strike out nine, nine, you get nine of the 12 outs by strikeout, I think, I think he's ready. Yeah. I think he's eager and ready. Tyler Glass now is ready to get back in the rotation. How do we feel about that? Yeah, can we can we get him back for just after this Milwaukee series? Like, let's let's go. I don't need to see him back there down there again. I don't. No, let's not risk an injury in another stupid AAA outing. Let's get him back. We got Toronto and the Dodgers coming right after this weekend series against Milwaukee. Okay, let's go. we need him. We need him for those series. So yeah. let's. I don't need to see him again. He was amazing last night. They showed the highlights of that. And efficient. Yeah. What was it? Fifty-seven pitches in four innings. Fifty-seven pitches. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not waste time. Let's not waste time. We need the help. We need the help. Let's go. Let's go. All right, you're in charge of all the sound today uh, since I'm on remote here in our Orlando facility. So um, you tell me what you got, what you want to play here. It's, it's all – I'll let you run the show today, my man, from, from our, our, our quaint, quaint studios at RHS TV in St. Petersburg. Well, what do you got? That, well, isn't that nice? I'll start with the, the first Isak Paredes home run, uh, which – came in the third inning after a really good at bat, got it 3-2, and then here was the home run. 3-2, and a high fly ball back into left. That's going to send Cannot back to the track, still going. He leads, and that ball is gone. That's a home run. It hit the back wall, and then Karam back into the field of play. But that's a home run by Paredes on a 3-2 pitch. And the Rays have taken the lead. Yeah, that's uh, obviously we haven't seen a lot of um, uh, 
games at City Field. I don't watch a lot of Mets baseball, not, unlike Stu Sternberg. <laughs> Just I had to get. That I, I have such there. a good aside okay. after we're done playing highlights. I have a good aside about that, by the way. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, so I was like, that was weird to where the ball hit. I guess there's a white line if it hits above the white line. How very Tropicana Field that is. Um, so yeah, that was a home run. Uh, and this, the second one, which of course Valley Sports on, uh, we credit them, um, was uh, you know what he didn't crush that one, but he didn't need to. It got it got out where it needed to get out, right? Yeah, this one uh, hits off the foul pole for his second home run off Justin Verlander. For Verlander. And a high fly ball down the line, back toward the corner. It's going to be fair. That ball is gone. He hit it off the foul pole, right down the line. Paredes hits another home run. This one a towering fly ball just down the line and up off the foul pole. And the Rays now lead 6 nothing. Did you hear that song, JP? Did you hear that beautiful song right there in the background? What was that? Lots. You have 30,000 people in City Field just booing. Just booing at the uh, sight of the Rays taking a 6 to nothing lead off the defending American League Cy Young winner, Mr. $40 million man for the 40-year-old Justin Verlander. What a beautiful sound. What a beautiful sound. Yeah, he, he obviously did not get the uh, uh, Domingo Herman uh, memo. No, on he did not. How to get the spin rate back up? <laughs> we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, yeah, so you know, here's Isaac Paredes. I mean, every night it's kind of a different guy, right? It, this guy who has been an unbelievable find for the Rays. They put him in the right situations, um, and that's really one of the secrets. It, we talk about it so much that sometimes it becomes cliche, but you know, one of the, one of the reasons this offense is doing so well is they're doing a great job of getting guys in plus plus situations, right. With the matchups that they want. And, you know, clearly this is one they liked and Paredes, you know, even though it's, it's righty on, on righty, it's, it works. It worked in their favor. Um, They, the lineup was again, produces eight runs for what the 24th time this year. 24 times they've had eight runs or more. Holy shiz. They only did that, I, I, I think, what, 13 times last year? Yeah, we're going to lose the Papa John's deal like pretty soon, I think. You think? We're yeah. going to lose the Papa John's deal. Again, I mean, it's or so, Papa John's is going under, one of the two. Papa John's is going <laughs> under. One of the two are going to happen because this is, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. I think even three, they hit three home runs last night. They've done that 14 times this year. They did yeah. that 13 times last year in 162 games. I mean, this has been like just such a routine thing. And, and Isar Paredes, who uh, I'm hoping he gets to 30 home runs, he's definitely going to have to hit a lot more. Uh, even though he, he hit two last night, he's sitting just on six at the moment. But he's quietly hitting 290 and has 26 runs batted in. Doesn't really play every day, although he's hitting a lot better against righties this year, so he's getting a better look. Yeah. And And to your point... Both home runs, I mean, he kind of, the second one, he at least muscled that one out of there. It looked like he really had to get his hands in on it. And obviously with Verlander, yeah. who clearly did not have his best stuff. I mean, I, I, I could tell right away, like, he was fighting his breaking ball. And if Justin Verlander is fighting his breaking ball, 
then you just have to look for 94 or 95 over the heart of the plate, and the Rays weren't missing. But that's what they do. You make mistakes against this team right now, and it's going to kill you. Right, and uh, you know the, the Rays are also playing great defense. Um, heard a stat that is is mind blowing. The Rays lead the league in getting outs on ground balls and bunt attempts, seventy seven percent of the time. Um, this is from, from my friend Steve Bursnick over at the the Rick Stroud Show. I heard them talking about this today. Seventy seven. We always like to give attribution, by the way. And by the way, podcast, 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 way better than radio. Seventy seven percent of the time as opposed to the Reds, who are at the bottom, 60-something percent. Uh, and that makes a difference of 60 outs just so far this year. That's, you know, from the best to the worst. But, again, how many freaking categories do the Rays lead the league? And that's a sneaky one, right? It's it, those, those ground balls that get through other places because you're not as good defensively, your range of your infielders isn't as good, uh, your alignment isn't as good because the Rays do a great job with scouting and alignment. Whatever it is, that's a winning edge. That is a huge winning edge when you can get ground balls at a 77% rate um, outs. And that just shows great range, as I mentioned. I mean, look and look at the guys that you got. Wander Franco, Taylor Walls is playing pretty much every day. Uh, Brandon, Brandon Lau can get to a lot of balls as well. Yep. Um, they're better at the corners than I think they've ever been uh, in terms of uh, first and third. So, again, another winning edge, kind of a hidden number that helps the Rays win a lot of ball games. And that's that's an interesting one too. And it's really important because yeah. unlike the Rays of the past and usually every year, what are they usually at the top of the league in? Strikeouts. And yeah. and it pit, yeah. throwing strikeouts. Uh the Rays right now, they're in the middle of the pack with strikeouts. I believe they're I got it right here. They're 16th in the league right now in strikeouts as a pitching staff. Usually they're in the top 5 every single year. So they don't have the arms right now to blow guys away anymore. So there's going to be a lot more contact. So that is interesting. You said 77% was the number there, yeah. right? And that's yeah. and that's obviously very huge because if because you know the bullpen has been much maligned early this season, uh, and I don't think last night they had enough of a buffer to where I was like, okay, we're good. I think we're good. You know, seven nothing, we're fine. Uh, but it didn't help that they still gave up runs in the bullpen. Uh, you'd like to see them maybe be a little more tight. Uh, that's the only. If I had any concerns with the Rays right now, I think it's still that. It's would they play a tight game now? I don't think they can lock it down as good as they probably were able to in the first month of the season. Right. I think that's fair. Uh, even Deekman, who they had gotten off waivers, I was expecting maybe the Rays would do something to make this guy look a little better. Uh, but he gives up two runs last night in the ninth and two walks. Not much control there. Uh, the, the the Zach Littell, did you see him though? He looked pretty good yeah. as yeah, they got off yeah. the waivers. So. They're just going to have to piece it together right now in that bullpen. But, again, when you score eight runs at the frequency this team does, you're going to win most games. Exactly. And uh, Pete Fairbanks should be back, right? We yeah, expected Pete, him to be. Pete Fairbanks is back. He was activated yeah. off the I.L., but they haven't had a really a, a chance to use him yet. Didn't need him last night. Yeah, so you just want to you know keep him fresh, as, as fresh as you can be. You would figure against the Mets there's going to be an opportunity for him to get in there, and I'll be looking forward to see what you know if he's going to be better. And evidently that condition that he has is, is, is brought on by cold weather. So hopefully at this point we won't have any more of those shenanigans and we can, we can move forward. So, you know, once again, the Rays are in tremendous position, uh, a big win. Uh, and before we get to the cheating ass Yankees, let's, uh, do we have Kevin Cash from last night? Yeah, we have Kevin Cash from last, from last night, who it almost feels like he's running out of things to say. <laughs> about this team. <laughs> I, Your team's this good. I know. 
It's a good problem to have, I'm not going to lie, but here was the skipper from last night after the 8-5 win. Uh, pretty good. We had a big day, no doubt. Uh, you know, you're going into a tough mat- matchup when you're facing well, the Mets and certainly Justin Verlander on the mound. He saw, picked us up in a big way, capitalized with some guys on base. That had a chance to be a pretty frustrating inning that we got first and second, no outs, nobody moved, and then uh, Isak really came through for us in a big way. Every spot in the lineup reached tonight. This is the 21st time this season you guys have scored eight runs or more. Just what can you say about the offense today and recently? Yeah, I mean, look, they, they just continue to do really good things. They're putting pressure on pitchers, getting them out of starters out of games early, and, and you know they're, the awareness that they're going up to the plate with, with whether it's starter, reliever, I think it's just given us a, a better advantage of, of accomplishing good things, and the eight-run mark is a, is a pretty good one. What's been working for uh, Isak? Uh, the last 19 games have been pretty good for him. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a really good hitter. We saw that last year. Uh, Isak's put together a really solid season to date. I think there's some other guys around him that maybe have have the, the, the bigger numbers, but very confident that by the end of the year his numbers will get there and with nights like these for sure. The, the same thing, kind of, Patricia gave you the stat on the runs. You've also homered in 38 of your 43 games. Just the way that they've continued yeah. to do that, too. What kind of attribute that, too? I mean, just good hitters. I mean, we, we, we compliment other teams' good hitters, and we're fortunate that we've got good hitters that can hit the ball to the ballpark. And what did you think of your approach against Verlander? I know we talked before the game. You guys hadn't seen him in a while. Yeah, uh, I thought it was good. I mean, I think that was his third start back. Uh, you know, you see what he has with the fastball and the off-speed breaking balls and then he broke out some change-ups. I think we were fairly mindful. Of, you know, Certain teams watch us. They see that change-ups can be good pitches. So like that that we made an adjustment off of it. What do you think of Littell first time you saw him? Excited for him. I mean, strike thrower, good stuff. I mean, that, that's an odd situation. Him and Deekman both. I mean, they haven't pitched a ton here as of late. So to get them in was good. And Littell, you know, looked like he had plenty of power. He should be able to help us. Of last now for all was good. The yeah, line was really good. Yeah, he was really good. Forty four innings, nine punch outs, something like that. Everything I read was good. Yes, and Armstrong was good. Yes. Yeah, I didn't. Yep, yeah, I don't know totally. Innings, so. That's good. All right, so we get the uh, the the word on. I think he mentioned Armstrong in there as well, right? So yeah, I was kind of it's kind of tough to hear there at the end, but I think that's what he was alluding to. Right. Well, listen, um, you know, arrows pointing up. If we, um, you know, who's Fleming going tonight, right, I believe? Yeah, Fleming um, Fleming tonight versus uh, uh, Kodai Senga, the Japanese pitcher, which if you're not familiar with him, he throws the nastiest forkball that is in the, I think he's probably the only guy that was a forkball, I think, in the uh, in the major leagues today. So a little bit of a throwback there. Yeah. I know a lot of guys in your era used to throw forkballs, but you don't see that much yeah, today. Yeah. It, it, forkball is a split finger. It's the same same pitch. It's, it's nasty. Um, some guys use it as kind of their changeup. So I don't. I, I just don't think it's the moniker is the same as it used to be. But which I don't know why. I think I, there was some uh, feeling that it caused some arm injuries. But it's no different than throwing a changeup. To be honest with you, except it dives away. Yeah, my uh, my best friend in high school, Joe McEwen, um, went to the big leagues on on a forkball, and he had these huge hands, and you could you know kind of stick that ball right in the middle, kind of. Taught me how to throw it a little bit, and it, it's interesting when you get when you get the feeling of that ball coming out. Um, it's it's just it's a real feel pitch, and the ball kind of it's like a changeup. The ball kind of comes out with with when you got the two seam working like this, the power is right behind it, right? 
when it, when it's this way, the ball kind of just slides off your knuckles. It's kind of a, you know, it's the kind of same thing when you're trying to use a, a foreign substance and get less spin on the ball and the ball drop, like the bottom just drops out of it. And you can actually see those. I used to catch him a lot and throwing that pitch and the ball just tumbles. It looks like it's tumbling instead of spinning. It just kind of, tum- it's like a slow rotation and it kind of tumbles and it dark and right when it gets to, uh, when you when you throw it with the right release point, right when you it gets to the to the plate, it just the bottom drops out of it and can go right and left depending on how you throw it. So, um, and it, what's interesting, the way and I used to you know try and hit that pitch, and what I developed because I I see it so much from him and in, in, in uh, other balls when I play against him, is you try to literally swing under the ball. You try to hit the bottom of the ball. You you put in your mind. I'm not looking at squaring the ball up. I'm looking at hitting the bottom of the ball, and that's the only way you can square it up. And you're, you know, you're you're lucky if you get a guy that's got a, a good fork ball, split finger. Bruce Suter used to throw that pitch, to throw the hell out of that pitch, and made his career on it. That's how you, it's 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 almost like trying to uppercut it, but hit the bottom of the ball with some spin. So, good good luck. Tonight. I like it. I feel like we just went through like a demo or something. Like we kind of did, didn't you, you we? Kinda, yeah, you, you sound like you're doing Doug Wechter's job on Bally's right here, breaking down the forkball for us. So, well, well, Wechter, if you need some you. help on that tonight, give me a call. I have a lot of experience. <laughs> hey, by <laughs> the way, swinging and missing at the forkball. By the way, you you said something in there. You said something about a sticky substance, and I I want to get to that obviously. Yes. But real quick, I said I was alluding to something with Stu. <laughs> yeah, Stu Sternberg last night, he did something. He did. What did something. he do? Did you see what happened right before Jose Siri hit the home run to make it seven to nothing or seven to one, whatever? Stuart Sternberg was up to something. The Met, did you see there was a slight delay in the game for a second? Man, or umpire called time, and everybody's looking around. What's going on? The scoreboard, this gigantic scoreboard. They said it on the broadcast last night. It's like seventeen thousand square feet. Like it's freaking. It's like the size Huge. of a building. Yeah. And it went completely like black for a second, and then it came back on, and it was covered by a Rays logo, a giant white screen with the Rays logo in the center of it, and it just stood there, and City Field started just booing like crazy when they saw that. And then the next pitch when they resume play, Jose Siri hits a home run to make it 7-1 to and more boos. So I have some – I mean, I, I'm, Stu might have been there last night, and he might have been pulling the controls back there. He might have been pulling the controls back Did we hack your scoreboard? I think somebody hacked that scoreboard, yeah. Somebody hacked the scoreboard? Yeah. Well, how, and, why, else would, why else would it do that? Why I, else would it do that? I think Stu did something. If he was there last night, I think he hacked the scoreboard. Was Stu there? Do we know? I have no idea, but I know oh, he loves to I spend think- time around there, though. I think this bears investigating. It does bear an investigation. Bears investigating for sure. But it was it was wow. like it was such a, a Met gonna Met moment last night. It really was. Wow, was, we hacked into their scoreboard. Wow, that's uh, well. Next time we could do it, I guess since we're hacking into the pitchcom, according to uh, <laughs> some other teams, I guess why not show our show our cyber attacking ability and go ahead and uh, hack into their scoreboard? Well, it, you know, if we did hack into it. That that's that's fantastic. Number one, number two, let's be a little bit more creative. Let's just don't go logo. Let's put a little vignette up there, a little video, a little something, you know, something with Mister, you know, Raymond pounding Mister Met or something. I don't know. Let's I let's mean, get I a little bit more just creative. Just do the Randy pose. Put the Randy pose and just, Randy just pose. let it yeah, sit there. There we go. Just let it sit yeah. there, so everybody in New York has to look at it. 
Can you imagine stadium control when that happened? Hey, what uh, the hell's going on? What the hell's going on? How long did how long did it last? Do we know? It was up there for maybe like ten or fifteen seconds, I think. Wow! It was up there a long enough for all. I mean, literally all of City Field was booing the crap out of this when this happened, and it was just funny that this the next pitch, Syria, it's a home run. It was like Mets fans are in hell right now. They are in absolute hell right now. Yeah. Well, look, it's a long season. Um, I don't expect them to be this bad, you know, for this long. And they're not terrible. They're 20 and 23, right? So that's not terrible. They have plenty of time to, to get back into this. But it's just it's just weird when you see these teams collect all this talent and pay all this money. You know, in baseball, you would think it would come together better. And it just doesn't. It just doesn't in baseball. And the Rays are the exact opposite of that. And, you know, because baseball is a weird game. It's an individual game. It's played as a team, right? It's mm-hmm. a very individualistic game that's played as a team. Of all the major sports, I would say it's the least team-oriented sport. Your your success is not really predicated on uh, on your teammates. It's collectively. Now, of course, there are aspects of it, right? Um, and I think you know, guys not being selfish at the plate, trying to hit home runs when you just want to move guys over. That to me, that's the ultimate. Real, that's the biggest team segment in baseball, right? I think I, I think you could say that yeah. is giving up yourself as a sacrifice. Or if you know they're not pitching to you and you got some guys behind you that can do the deal, you take your walk and, and let them get the pitches to hit. It's hard to do sometimes when you're a high, but when you're a high paid slugger, right? You got to get your numbers. I got to get mine. Well, and I think guys feel the pressure to do that. Well, look at it's not just the Mets, by the way. The Mets are 20 and 23. You know who else is 20 and 23? The San Diego Padres. And the Padres yeah. dropped a game last night at home to the Royals. Now they're losing games at home to the Royals. Like, it's getting close Ooh. to rock bottom in San Diego. With all the money they've spent, they continue to lose. I saw this after they just got swept by the Dodgers. They've lost 28 of their last 34 games to the Dodgers. The Padres have. So everything they've done to try to catch up to the Dodgers, and this is the year where the Dodgers didn't spend as much, and they're still blowing them out of the water. And the Padres with Soto, Tatis, Machado, who's hitting like 220 with five home runs, and Bogarts, and all those pitchers, 20 and 23. I mean, it's wow. crazy what's going on around the league right now. And you got the Rays in front. You got the, I mean, the Texas Rangers have spent more money lately, but a quick rebuild there out in front of their division. I mean... Look at the NL Central, the Brewers. They do it kind of like the Rays every single year, and they seem to win that division more often than not. So there's just more there's more ways to win baseball games now, and credit the Rays for finding the ways. And I don't want to, you know, we talked about this before the season and at the beginning of the season, but I don't want to lose sight of this. This balanced schedule we told you was going to be a difference yep. maker for the Rays, and it is. I mean, it's, it's a tremendous difference maker. Instead of 19 games with the Yankees, uh, Blue Jays, and Orioles now, Orioles um, and Red Sox, you're playing against some of these other teams that just aren't as good. They're just not as talented. And I'm not saying that the Rays have played a you know a super soft schedule, but you know compared to what they normally play, well, we're it's in a the, super soft schedule. That's true, but the Rays actually have the best record in baseball against teams that, play, that are over 500. Well, of course. So yeah. they've, they've shut everybody up when it came to that. Remember when it was like, oh, but you're not facing the best pitchers. Well, I, I, I just, I just faced Justin Verlander. I've yeah. faced Garrett Cole, and I've had no problem with him two times through. So exactly. they've, they've checked every box, and we said that this was going to be the month that we find out what they're made of. So, what have we seen? They get, they win two out of three against the Yankees. 
You dropped two out of three against the Orioles, and you split the Yankees, and you got a, a win against the Mets. So they're, what, just a game over 500 or two games over 500 there throughout yeah. this stretch? And then you got Milwaukee, Toronto, and the Dodgers coming after that. I mean, this again, this is the most important stretch right now to see really who these Rays are. And I think at the moment, they've proven they can hang. I mean, they haven't gotten blown out in any of these games, and they've lost, by no. the way. Every loss that the no. Rays have had, it's been by a run. I think every single loss has been by a run so far throughout this stretch. Yeah, they went through that uh, a couple games where they got shut out back to back, but they only gave up I think three runs in yeah. those games. So, yeah, it, it's 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 incredible how good this team is playing. And 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 to to that that team concept, you know, the Rays I think do that better than just about everybody. But the other the other part of it is I think is team chemistry. And I we haven't really talked about this, um, but I think it's worth noting because Kevin Cash has mentioned it. One of the biggest focuses of the offseason was team camaraderie. Because obviously we had the issue with Randy and Yandi at, at the end of last year, and it tanked the end of the season. I don't care what you say. The team, after that altercation, Yandi was out for like 10 days. And him out of the lineup, first and foremost, kills you. But there was something off about this team in that five, those final three weeks and going into the playoffs. There was something that was definitely off. And to the Rays' credit, they didn't, you know, publicly they swept it under the rug. But I think privately they took it very seriously. And whatever they did to restore uh, the camaraderie in that clubhouse, because I thought Randy, one of, one of them, Randy or Yandi, was going. Um, and, and to their credit, instead of, you know, taking the easy way out, they said, well, let's let's sit down, figure this out, get this back together. Because, again, in 162 games, and Joe Madden talked about this a lot, you know, having guys that get along is huge. Because you, when you get fractures within a clubhouse, and that happens when you have a lot of big money guys and their entourages hanging around, you know, the old, you know, 25 different cabs at the end of the game, everybody's going different places. That's not good in the long term for baseball because you're living with these guys for seven months. Yeah. And if you're not getting along and you're not, you know, that positive vibe in the dugout, handing it from one guy to the next, um, that, that means something. To me, that's the ultimate part of team baseball. That's the most important part on the field, physically passing it to one to another, not swinging at bad pitches because you're trying to knock in runs and get your numbers. That's part of it. But I think the, the bigger part of it is that camaraderie. And the Rays addressed it. And clearly, you know, look at the dugout. These guys are all just getting along great. They're propping each other up. They're gassing each other up. And I think that means something. Well, remember, what wasn't it during spring training they did something new with the lockers, right? Where everybody was kind of kind of sitting next to guys that they usually don't they don't know as well, right? They did something right. interesting, I recall. I can't remember quite. Yeah. Uh, and also, I was listening to MLB Tonight, and it's interesting you brought it up today. I was listening to MLB Tonight last night. Harold Reynolds said the most impressive thing about the Rays is you can tell this is a tight-knit group that really loves each other and wants to go out and play for each other. So if people who aren't even in the building are noticing it from the outside like that, you know it's a real thing, especially someone like Harold who's played the game at a high level. Uh, and then also, like think of like how unique this off season was for the Rays. And sometimes I feel like when you get out of your routine a little bit and it's all kind of all over the place, you almost have like a I don't know, I'm trying to phrase it the right way, but I think you know what I mean. Like when you're out of yeah. your routine with a group of people, you kind of end up building like a stronger camaraderie. I think a little bit like they like they didn't do the normal things in Port Charlotte this year. 
right? They had to go right. to Orlando, and then they were constantly Orlando to Tampa or to St. Pete, Orlando to St. Pete, and it was really hard to like just settle down in one place. And I don't know, maybe the unorthodox of it kind of just brought this team together. Yeah. Is kind of what I'm saying. Like sometimes things like that can happen, so maybe that kind of helped them because, to your point, I don't see a team around the league that's more like close closely associated with one another than this one. Yeah, and they're you know, and they're having fun. You know, when, you know going thirty-two and eleven, we'll we'll do that for you. But they're you know, I think you know, there's what comes first, the winning or the culture. I I would submit to you, it's always the culture. You know, you start you, as Coach Bowden used to say, you you lose big, then you lose close, then you you, you win and lose, then you win by a few and then you start dominating. Yeah. You got it. The culture has to start. You've got to put things in place. It's a process. So, you know, coach Cooper always talks about that, the process and not necessarily looking at outcomes. Just keep doing the same things, have your culture, right? You do the same things at the same time, get your rest, uh, you know, do things that are team oriented. And, you know, cause it, guys can get out of whack. They can get selfish. They can, you know, start doing crazy things in their off time. And, and guys see it. Guys see it. You're showing up at the park. You haven't been sleeping. You know, you've been partying. You know, guys see that stuff. Everybody, you know, everybody wants to do a little bit of that. These are young guys. But you got to keep it in order and make sure you show up on time, do the right things, honor your teammates by doing that. And, you know, in baseball especially, that's not always the case. And with the Rays, clearly it is. And that's part of their culture. Everybody wants to win. They lot a lot of guys that like to win, as we always talk about. They're all chasing that first big contract for the most part, so they're hungry. And it's created a culture of winning that is unlike anything in baseball. And this and this year, they've got the talent to to go well along with that winning culture. If they could just stay away from the injuries, you know, it's gonna be a special, special season. All right, we'll take our first break, and our thanks to the good folks at the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S Law If you are involved in an accident or your car was totaled, you did not get the settlement you thought you should get, that's one of their uh, sweet spots. They do great work there. Just contact them through the website, JeevesLawGroup.com, and you will uh, get a great resolution. They'll certainly give you an idea whether you have a case or not, and so just find out. It's a free call, JeevesLawGroup.com. When we come back, we're going to talk a little stadium. We have a couple questions about stadium stuff. We'll get to, we're going to have Ken Hagen on tomorrow at 1115 uh, after the Rays meet with TSA. He won't be in that meeting, but certainly he'll have some information on that. So that's, that's big news. The Rays are meeting with the TSA tomorrow. So we'll answer some of those questions that are popping up and we'll get to the cheat ass Yankees as well. Stay with us. Guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life 
changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back that doesn't happen with the jeeves law group personal attention is what they're all about when you call the jeeves law group you will be part of the family they will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies these larger companies will promise bigger settlements but it's the jeeves law group that will get you the best results if you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms check out the jeeves law group go to jeeveslawgroup.com tell them jp sent you get a free consultation It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance Free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. All right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank, but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa, and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. 
Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the Internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show with JP on FanStream Sports. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show here. Uh, as I come to you live from our Orlando studio, Nick Geddes, Mac at our RHS TV St. Petersburg studio there. We thank you guys for jumping in here. We are brought to you by Jeeves Law Group, Bay Area Modern Medical Center, uh, Italiano Insurance, the Golden Diamond Source and American Mortgage Services. Um all right, we got some comments before we get to the cheating ass Yankees. Uh, and once again, we bring evidence, unlike other sports radio outlets. Um, check in on our comments because we love you guys jumping in here. Thomas Casper, I want to know what this means. Bogo chicken pot pie, where? Tell me where. I am a huge chicken pot pie fan. What, what does that mean? Y'all are out of your mind. Chicken pot pie sucks. It's the worst oh, food dude, on the planet. It. We had this discussion before. I think Thomas is trolling me or something because I said how much chicken. What pot kind pie of crappy ass chicken at chicken pot pie are you eating? I don't I mean, go. I don't go the, out of my way to question. try a bunch of chicken pot pies. So well, okay. I'm, but I'm. Oh, good, there you though. go. But I'm good though. I'm good. Okay, I had a no, roommate. They're... I had a roommate in college who lived off of the Marie Callender chicken pot pies. And I've seen, I've seen it way. I've seen the disgustingness of it way too much. I'm, I'm out. I'm out. That's the. I mean, Murray Calendar chicken pot pie. I mean, we're talking. But I'll be honest with you. Even that's a good. That's a good. It ain't. It ain't horrible. It's better than where, where, many other. Where, where should I go to get a chicken pot pie? Better than anything you'll get at McDonald's. Tell me where um, I should get a chicken pot pie. Then. A Cracker Barrel has an amazing uh, chicken pot pie. Um, I was at this place called the New York Beer Project here in Orlando. I don't know if they have one in, in Tampa. I don't think they do. They have they have comfort food, and they do a chicken pot pie there that is phenomenal. Oh, Irish 31. They're, they have an Irish. They have the shepherd's pie, and they also have a chicken pot pie, which is amazing. Oh, my God. So, yeah, Thomas, tell me where the chicken pot pie bogo is, and I'm all in, bro. And, by the way, if anybody else knows where there's a good chicken pot pie, uh, and at once uh, there's a place and it's skipping my brain right now, but, um, yeah. All right. Two, uh, other questions. Uh, James asks getting back to the stadium issue, which by the way, again, Ken Hagen will join us tomorrow at 1115. The TSA, uh, Tampa sports authority is meeting 
with um, or is it Stadium? Either way, uh, they're meeting with the Rays tomorrow, and they will. Um, it, it's kind of a limited meeting. Eric Hart will be in that meeting. He's the head of the TSA. Uh, the outside counsel for uh, the Hillsborough County will be there. The Rays will be there. And, yes, Tampa side still very much in play. That's why they continue to meet with the folks on the Tampa side. And I still believe, uh, to your question, uh, James, will MLB intervene if St. Pete continues to be in play? I, we know this, that Ma- Major League Baseball, without question, prefers – the Tampa side, and I'll explain this to you because there is so much misinformation out there. I'll do it again. The reason that the Rays get re- revenue sharing is because they have low lo- low local revenues, and that includes attendance and other things. But for the most part, they have the low revenues, by the, so they get the revenue sharing and have for quite some time. So Stu, and this is more my extraction of it, in my opinion, instead of spending tons of money marketing the team, he just would rather take the the automatic uh, money from Major League Baseball and get the revenue sharing. Now, it's of my feeling that major this new marketing effort, right, to market the team and lower ticket prices, get people in, is Major League Baseball saying, we finally figured it out, Stu. You haven't been marketing your team. We know that here, right? We know it. Um, but now Major League Baseball, the other owners, have caught on. And they're like, oh. So now you want us to keep paying you revenue sharing and because you're you're not you're not marketing your team, you're not spending the money to market your team. Um no, we're not doing that anymore. So now suddenly they've got somebody in there that's marketing the team like everybody else has been doing for the last five to ten years with the lower ticket prices, the you know, all the things that they're doing with the uh the ballpark pass and everything else. So is Major League Baseball now running this club? I think, you know, that's there's precedent for it. They did that back in the Vince Namoli days right before they got him out. So, yes, maybe. I mean, why else would you, why else have we seen such a dramatic difference in the way they've marketed the team this year? Explain that to me. Okay? So that's one thing. And I think Major League Baseball has kind of figured that out and I don't think Major League Baseball wants them to Build. We know that. They don't want them to build in St. Petersburg. They know it's a failed location. They've been saying that for 30 years. So, yes, they're very invested in this new stadium being on the Tampa side because they know if it's on the Tampa side, local revenues go up and they don't have to cut revenue-sharing checks to Stu Sternberg. And, yes, Major League Baseball has to approve any new stadium deals. So the other owners are going to have to approve this. I don't just like the, the sister city plan. They were never going to approve that. They're not going to approve the the Rays moving out of this market. You got to have two thirds of the owners uh, get on board with that. The owners have figured out what Stu has been doing, and they're not they're not going to be on board with it. The owners want him to build in Tampa. So yes, I believe there is pressure from Major League Baseball. Now, is there a a point where they just say it's never going to get done in Hillsborough County? Which I don't think that's the case. Um, and just take what you can get. Maybe that's a maybe. But I do. I still think to this day that Stu's plan all along has been to run out the clock as far as he can because he makes so much money at Tropicana Field with the revenue sharing, not having any stadium expenses whatsoever. Um, and he still makes tons of money. So why, in his mind, why risk spending you know five, six, seven hundred million dollars for a new stadium to pay half when you don't have to and you continue to make all this money? You eventually, eventually they'll have to have a new stadium. And when that time comes, 
you get St. Petersburg. As we, What did we predict when the Sister City thing – first of all, did we not tell you the Sister City thing was never going to happen? The Players Association was never going to do it? Yes, from the very beginning we told you that. Once that went kaput, I told, we told you what? Now Stu's going to cuddle up to St. Petersburg and give them an illusion that they're going to build there in order to get Hillsborough to come up with more money on their side of the bay. And that's exactly what's playing out right now, in my opinion. Now, if, this, if they end up getting a deal there, I'll admit I'm wrong, but this is the way I see it. With Major League Baseball's pressure, they want it in Tampa. So he cozies up to St. Pete, gets the, gets the development rights, thinking Mayor Welch thinks, oh, they're going to build a stadium there. No, they're not, Mayor. They just want the development rights so they can make more money with Heinz. They got the partner. Heinz wants to do that development. How did Heinz get in? Remember there was uh, a Christman had, had picked another development team? Oh, now he cozies up to Heinz. Heinz says, we'll, we'll go in together. We'll make them think that we're going to build a stadium. And when you decide to build in Tampa, because you're still talking to them, we'll still have the development rights. <laughs> brilliant. It's brilliant. So Stu wins on both sides of the bay. But I still, I still believe, and this is my personal opinion with all the things I just connected, that they're not going to build in St. Petersburg. I still think it's they're targeting Tampa. So we'll see how it all plays out. So, but, I, but again, as I told you yesterday, if you're one of those Rays fans that's like, oh, we're so tired of it, just building St. Pete, no, no. That is not the attitude to have because you'll never get to the revenues that you're going to get to on the Tampa side, be, and those revenues will make this team spend $130 to $150 million on payroll and remain competitive for years to come. Because this formula of winning on $70 million payrolls is not going to continue forever. It's going to be cyclical. Number four, you know, Kevin Cash's first three years were not too good. They're not going to be this good all the time. There's no way. You can't sustain it. It's going to be cycles. you got to get new players to come in, cheap players, and keep doing it. But if you can get to $130, $150 million payroll, you can sustain it. And that's only going to exist if you do a stadium on the Tampa side. Um Jew Jetson said, uh, let's go door-to-door businesses and get firm commitments for sponsorships on paper so we can push the bulldozers on the Tampa side of the bay. Jew, I got news for you. We already did this. We already did this. I was part of the Rays 100 and the the business leaders and and the group that uh, were to gather community support to show to the Rays, and we already showed them that there was $160 million in season ticket and um, pledges and luxury box pledges and that was just the tip of the iceberg that was with absolutely nothing to really show we had some artist renderings and and that was you know basically five years ago and how many more businesses have moved into downtown tampa because of water street they have six thousand more jobs down at water street now than they had before and most of those are companies relocating from the northeast and and other parts to downtown tampa these are more companies that are going to buy luxury boxes in a new baseball stadium so if this whole false narrative that there was no corporate support the only, that came from Stu Sternberg as an excuse to not do the deal and it's a, it's a 100% bold-faced lie there was plenty of corporate support and he knows it. but you can print that all you want just because he says it doesn't mean it's true there's plenty of corporate support over here they support the lightning they support the bucks they'll support the Rays as well if they have a stadium where they can give their clients tickets and they're actually going to go to during the week and on the weekends. So that's how that works. There's plenty of corporate support. Don't believe that false narrative. We've debunked it. Um, what are you guys getting with me here a few minutes, but hoping to hear from Vinny Boombots when I get to finish listening later. Yes. 
Uh, Benny Boombots will sign on, will uh, definitely have a take on the Yankees cheating here today. So, without any further ado, Nick, give us the nuts and bolts on what happened last night with Domingo Herman, the Yankees pitcher. Yeah, so Domingo Herman goes, I think, three no hit innings, I want to say. And yep. then he's coming off the mound to do his typical uh, hand check and all that kind of crap. Uh, and he's ejected from the game for a sticky substance. Now, if you recall, Three weeks ago, Domingo Herman had something on his hand, and they ordered him to go wash it off, right? And then he came back out, and it was still sticky. And so, but he still was allowed to remain in the game, mind you. He was still allowed to remain in the game. But this time, they showed the the video of him in the in the bullpen when he was just standing there, and he had his arms on his on his uh, on his pants, kinda. And did you see that video? And you could see what was kind of on his hands because like his hand was like stuck to his pants and then when he, he took said it was off, chewing tobacco chewing tobacco you know it's funny because when i saw it i was like it looks like it almost has the consistency of kind of like chewing tobacco that's what it kind of looked like so if he said that's what it is whatever but it was really dark and it was really sticky that's what i know and it just here's the funny thing with domingo Herman, and this is such a first of all given what happened the day prior with the judge thing You'd think you'd want to steer away from doing anything that's going to draw attention like that a little bit. Yes. Oh, yes. and by the way, what if I told you that the umpiring crew last night was the same umpiring crew from three weeks ago that had already suspected that he, had some, he was using a sticky substance? So he tried yeah. to do this twice in a span of three weeks with the same umpiring crew. With the same umpiring yeah. crew after the whole Aaron Judge scandal that literally the Blue Jays are investigating like as we speak by the way, on that. Right. So you talk about lack of self-awareness. It's Domingo Herman. It's Domingo Herman. And now you get a 10-game suspension, and there you go. So, once again, the Yankees, and that wasn't the Yankees, but it was their WFAN, right, their official station, the sports talk guys on their station, Cartner Roberts, who accused the Rays of cheating without evidence. But as we saw... There's now evidence and ample evidence to su- suggest that maybe the Yankees are cheating a little bit. And by the way, the the uh, Blue Jays also filed a complaint with the league because of the positioning of, and I'll re- I'll retweet this as it shows the picture, the positioning of their base coaches. Um, and you can see them; they're circled below. They're outside the base, uh, outside the box where they're supposed to be in. Both of them. It's very interesting. They're both positioned very similarly. Um, yeah, I just retweeted that if you want to on my uh, at FanStreamJP. Um, so John Schneider was like, you know, what the hell is going on down there? And that would also be in the position where I think Judge could see could be could have been looking at the first first base coach when he did that glance the other day. And by the way, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, his his whole uh, spiel about I was looking to see who was chirping. Well, again, you looked at the exact point that the pitcher already got the signal three times in a row, and you didn't look for very long. It was a quick glance into the dugout or to the first base coach who was out of his box and more forward so you could see him. Um, that doesn't wash with me. If you're looking at, if you're looking at guys to see who's chirping, why are you doing it at the exact same time on every pitch and just a quick glance? That, that doesn't hold water with me. I like I – I love Aaron Judge, and I think he's above board. And I don't, I don't. He would be the last person I thought would be cheating, right? Because he's a great hitter. Mm-hmm. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds didn't need to cheat. 
Barry Bonds was one of the greatest players in the history of the game. He didn't need to cheat. Guess what? It he cheated. He cheated, right? So, you know, and, and clearly there is a culture within the Yankees of cheating, and this is another example of it. So yes, we're accusing you of cheating again, and we have actual evidence and multiple, multiple. You got kicked out of the game. You were, Herman, and I didn't look at it. You can look this up, Nikki Numbers. Remember, Herman pitched the hell of a game against the Rays last, what, Saturday? He's, was pitched, it? he's pitched two really good games against the Rays in the last two weeks. Two games. Mm-hmm. He's, been mm-hmm. really good for, he's been really good for the Yankees this year. Yeah, yeah, and his spin rates have been pretty consistent. So if he was kicked out of last night's game, my, my feeling is he's been doing the same thing all year long. All year well, long. Well, how would he make? How would that make it past every umpiring crew? Because you got to get checked out after every single inning. Well, I think it's subjective, right? It's subjective. Like they feel the hands, and every everybody's going to have a little bit of sticky stuff because they got they all use the 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 rosin and sweat, the sunscreen oh, that kind of makes a little bit of a sticky stuff. That wasn't rosin and, and sweat. I could tell you right, right now. Exactly. So you know, it's so, but it is a matter of degrees. Like everything is subjective. So last night, that umpire literally said, "It's the stickiest I've ever checked." Was it pine? Everybody's tar? got. Was a, it, could it have been pine tar? It kind of looked like it had the same color to a pine. It could tar. be. Could have been spider tack. Could have been you that. Know? I mean, yeah, it could have been or, or some new form of it that it, they're using. Then again, Mister Naive, right here, I will say, like I said, it did look like it did look like chewing tobacco when I first saw it. Okay, so <laughs> if they found some chewing tobacco that's sticky, whatever, it's no, a foreign substance. I was going to say, I don't and know what that it, does to the ball, though. And isn't it thing. interesting? Isn't it interesting that Garrett Cole's spin rates are back to what they were in Houston when he was cheating? Uh, listen, I, I mean, I've been looking at Everybody's been looking at Garrett Cole pitch for years, and he has the same routine before every pitch, and he's always doing this with his, with his hat. He's always doing this. And you can see it on his hat, on that blue hat. You can see there's some discoloration, so there's clearly something there. And we've never been able to figure out what he's going to. Umpires have never checked him on it, so I guess they've decided that there's nothing there. But I always have that suspect, you know? What's he doing with his hat all the time? And I'm surprised that nobody has ever really brought that up to him when he's been pitching. Yeah. Look, I mean, the evidence is all there. I mean, even... Even Vinny Bombats from the from the Bronx Deli in the pizzeria could say, you know what? Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought the Rays were cheating. Yeah, you know, kind of, you know, they're doing a little stuff. They're doing a little hit at, you know, the all the Taylor. Who's Taylor Walls? Christian Bethencourt. Like, who are these guys? All of a sudden, they're Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. You know, and you say we're cheating. Like, how are we cheating, right? Oh. Oh, the sticky stuff. Okay, yeah, you know, maybe. Okay, that's that's maybe a little. But everybody does that, right? No? Oh, it's only the Yankees guys. Huh? All right, yeah. Okay, well, we're the Yankees. We can get away with it, right? We're the, we're the big bad Yankees. We can cheat. You guys can't cheat. But you're already cheating because you're too good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. We're the Yankees. We're going to win. You got If we got to cheat to win, so be it. So be it. That's who we are. I, will I think s- that's what they – you're probably you're probably spot on there with your Vinny Boombats. But I, I mean I will say though, regardless of the rule, first of all, I hate the rule. I actually I'm in the minority maybe. I don't really give a crap what the pitcher uses when he goes out there. I'm not one of those guys that's a stickler when it comes to it. You know how I feel about that, and I feel like there's we talked about pitchers' injuries earlier this week, did we not? And we know that Tyler Glasnow's injury is for the Tommy John 
which contributed to the fact that he couldn't use anything on his hands because the baseball sucks and has no grip. So I don't necessarily care, really, when players go to it, but at the same time, in the context of the rule, and given how there's such a crackdown on it, you'd have to be pretty much lack self-awareness to try to go out there and, and get away with it. Well, I'll, I'll say this in terms of using it. I think there's a case to be made that if you're trying to get the same spin rates, because these pitchers get the, get the information that everybody gets, right? And they get it by inning. Like, hey, your spin rate's down, your spin rate's down. So what are you trying to do? You're trying to get a better grip on the ball, and then you're trying to, you know, you're trying to whip it more. And when you're trying to whip it more, give it more effort, that's when you get that conflict in the elbow that we talked about. When you, you know, again, the pronation pitch, when you go like this, we'll do this again. When you go like this, pronation, and, and that's what um, you know they used to throw the screwball with, right? Get yeah. that opposite spin. It doesn't hurt your arm because everything is working in concert biomechanically. But when you when you do the other way with curveballs and sliders, everything is working in conflict here in terms of your your shoulder and everything else, and it creates the spin and your and your wrist. Now, I this I I learned this from these biomechanic guys. Um, so that's what causes the torque. And if you're trying to get those same spin rates, it's it's like an injured pitcher who's trying to get his velocity back up. And what is he doing? He's overthrowing. And when you overthrow, when you give more effort, your your mechanics get out of whack. You lose control and you hurt yourself. And I think that's where a lot of these injuries are coming. I was talking to, with Jason Romano about this yesterday, and he said, like, in my day, it was shoulders. Like, everybody had labrums, rotator cuffs. It was all shoulders. And now it's all elbows. And that's where that conflict, conflict comes in because guys are throwing more sliders. They're throwing harder sliders. They're trying to get that more spin rate, giving more effort to do it. And that's just biomechanics. You're going to get more injuries. So it's almost like a war of attrition. You got you, Guys are just – if you're going to make them pitch like this because it is more effective – Breaking balls are harder to hit. Hard breaking ball, you know, better stuff is harder to hit. It's it's if you're going to make them throw more of this stuff, you're going to get injuries. So now it's just a matter of attrition, and you just you know you almost say, okay, we're going to have this many Tommy Johns, but we're just going to keep bundling arms through here, and it's it may not be best for the player, but you know the team success is there, and that's you know this is I know I know it, it's. It doesn't sound very ethical. No, it's not. And that's the thing. No. Every that's the thing. Every rule thing, every rule change with MLB, whether you like them or not, most of them just aren't ethical. They're not ethical, and somebody's always getting the short end of the stick with this. Somebody's always getting well, the short end of the stick here. And right now, it's the pitchers. You think, as it as a league, you think Rob Manfred does he actually enjoy seeing some of the game's best pitchers continually just get hurt? And not be out no. there. Does he like seeing a bunch of AAA guys constantly around the league pitching on a nightly night basis? How many teams around the league have a true five man rotation at any point anymore because of it? Because they I can't mean, keep anybody healthy. The Rays will never have a five man healthy rotation. I'm convinced it's never going to yeah. happen. I mean, all this—it's bad for the game. Like, and they don't listen to the feedback of the players. That's the thing with baseball; they don't listen to the feedback of the players when they tell you that, "Hey, this ball sucks." This ball sucks, and it's hurting us, and you're telling us that we can't do anything to make it better, and now we're getting hurt in turn. So, yeah, it is unethical. Yeah, and, and you know, you can make the case that if you let, allow the spider tack, that you're going, guys don't have to overthrow to get those spin rates. 
But then, you know, guys will still try to overthrow to get even yeah, more and spin I, And rate. I'm sure the batter... So I don't know I'm where sure, it is. I'm sure the batter, from the batter's point of view, it's like, you know what? These guys are already throwing... Everybody in this league is already throwing 98 to 100 already. The ball's moving right. without the spider tack or whatever, like crazy that it ever has. It's already hard on us as it is. And now you want to make it even more harder by allowing this. So I know that's probably what the batters are saying. But again, injuries are... This is, this is an epidemic around the game right now with pitcher injuries. It's it's shortening well, careers say, more than ever. I'll say this, that as much as I'm sure the commissioner doesn't want star pitchers to get injured, you know what he really doesn't want? Two-to-one games. It's just, it's boring. It, it, you know, I love, I love watching great pitchers just like you do sometimes. But if every game is two-to-one and three-to-two, eh, not so much. Well, that's or, why you know, that's, nothing, that's why we have these other nothing. rule changes to to put things into put th- things into action. It's been a success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, we'll take another break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll uh, talk a little football. Uh, we'll get a little buck stuff in there. Also, uh, the NBA and the NHL coming down to the Final Four. We'll get to that in our second hour. Oak Hill is cold. Rochester is cold. Can you believe somewhere in the United States it's thirty eight degrees? <laughs> sure. It's hard to believe, but that's what it is at Oak Hill. So we'll talk some golf as well. Lots more to come your way here. Uh, this is the J.P. Peterson Show brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group, Bay Area Modern Medical Center, Italiano Insurance. Get that insurance checkup, folks. Homeowners insurance is going through the roof, but there may be some companies out there that can save you money. You don't need to do the work. Let Italiano do the work for you. 813-877-7799. Give them a call. Tell them JP sent you and tell them to shop all your insurance so you can save money. They will find you some savings. That's Italiano Insurance doing it for 60 years here locally. 813-877-7799. Back in three. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the Internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up. They're going down. They're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. 
Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by, never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call, 727-894-2929, 727-894-2929, or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Ladies and gentlemen, are you looking to lose weight or just lean up for bathing suit season where there are so many diets and chiropractors and weight loss clinics out there? You don't know where to start, right? We'll start at Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Chris Lugo, PA, and his professional staff will devise a personal plan for you that gets results and will help you keep the weight off. Everybody metabolizes food and supplements differently. Many of these other approaches are designed for the masses. So how's that going to work for you specifically? It's not. Chris will spend one-on-one time with you to find out what works best for you so the weight comes off safely without the use of harmful drugs and side effects. Call 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is FanStream Sports with JP. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show here as we roll on on this hump day Wednesday, which I thought was Thursday because I was working seven days a week. Which, by the way, I want to mention, I'll be out this weekend again at Zephyr Hills uh, emceeing the Pro Padel League 
uh, tournament going on out there. We've got teams from Cancun, L.A., uh, Toronto, Las Vegas, Miami, all over the world, essentially, uh, North America, really. Uh, but the players come from all over the world, and they are amazing. The best paddle players, paddle, paddle, it's interchangeable how you pronounce that. Uh, but it's a mix of... You know, it's kind of it's got the pickleball paddle, and it's you know, but it doesn't have a kitchen like pick, pickleball does. Um, the athletes are are tremendous. In fact, one of them, Marta Marrera, who's probably the best female player in the world, she was a quarter finalist at um, at the Australia or the French Open, um, won about forty five ATP singles titles. So a lot of the great tennis players, uh, Gerald Palmer is out there. He's one of the um, the owners, as is Tommy Haas, uh, Juan Martin Del Potro. So all these great tennis players are now playing uh, Padel, is what it's called, and it's it's an unbelievable game. It's incredibly fast. The points go for you know thirty, forty, fifty rallies, uh, shot rallies. It's incredible. So if you want to go see the best in the world, tickets are free. Just go to propadelleague.com. It's a really cool vibe. It's out. It's a little bit of a drive. It's out in Zephyr Hills at the Sarah Vandenberg Complex. But um, if you're looking for something to do on uh, in the next few weeks, the next four weekends, we'll be doing it out there. It's really cool. Come check out the game. Um, I'll be there. Come say hello. Um, we'll 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 tell you all the rules. You'll you'll pick it up pretty quickly. Um, but it's it's fun. It's a fun watch. So check it out if you want to come out and join us uh, this week. Um, all right, let's talk a little NBA, uh, shall we? You um, before we get to the Lakers and Nuggets, uh, we got to talk about John Morant. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. The video that surfaced again with the guy that he said he wasn't going to hang out with anymore on his Instagram. Showing Ja with a gun. Um, he's had six or seven now incidents where, you know, he's had a gun in public, um, intimidating people. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on with this guy. And he was already suspended once. And Adam Silver was asked about it last night during the draft broadcast. And I believe you have that, that sound bite, right? Yeah. This was, uh, again, speaking. Uh, Malika Andrews before the draft lottery and this was him detailing kind of the discussions he had with Morant in that first meeting after he suspended him and his reaction to this recent news. What did you say to him about how much more severe it would be if he did this again? Well we, we talked directly about the consequences first before we got to a subsequent um, potential have done something wrong. We were very focused on the misconduct that was in front of us at the time. And, and frankly, most of our conversation was about how incredibly serious the first incident was of waving you know, a firearm on, you know, on social media. And again, you know, the, and the consequences there, an eight-game suspension was pretty serious and something that he, at least to me, seemed to take incredibly seriously in that time. And we spoke for a long time about not just the consequences that could have on his career, but the safety issues around it. Um, could have injured, maimed, killed himself, someone else with an act like that. And also the acknowledgement that, as you said, he's a star. I mean, he has an incredibly huge following. Yeah. And that my concern, and I thought he shared with me, that millions, if not tens of millions of kids globally would see him as having done something that was celebrating in a way. 
you know that that act of 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 sort of of so of of using a firearm in that fashion, and so I at least was left um, with the sense that he was taking this incredibly seriously. So honestly, I was shocked when I saw this weekend that video. Now we're in the process of investigating it. Um, and we'll figure out exactly what happened to the best we can then. It's again, it's the video's a bit grainy and all that, but I'm assuming the worst, you know, and, uh, but, but we'll, fi we'll figure out, you know, exactly what happened there. What did you... You know, it sounds like Adam Silver is shocked. I mean, he, he said that. He, he's shocked. And um, I don't know why. <laughs> Are you shocked? I'm not. I'm not. I I had fully expected this to happen. I try to give people, you know, like second chances and the benefit of the doubt and all that kind of stuff. I'm shocked that it happens two months after the first incident. I'm shocked given the fact that ESPN gave him a platform and Jalen Rose in particular to come up there and say his apologies and take accountability. And, you know, I know he's young, 20, 23 years old and all that. But there needs to be more self-awareness there that, and again, I said it yesterday, a great example of your friends are not always your friends. And especially when you're an athlete, an entertainer, a celebrity of any kind, there's always going to be people next to you in your circles that are there for the wrong reasons. And I feel like he's being dragged down by the circle. Now he needs to learn that he needs to take himself out of the circle. Right. And maybe Memphis is not the greatest spot necessarily for him. If you want to have that discussion, you could you could definitely make that argument. Sure. Um, but Adam Silver, to me, he sounds like somebody who felt who feels betrayed. He feels betrayed because he gave him the time of the day and sat with him in a long meeting to to air out what he, what he was what he was thinking during that time, and he gave him the eight game suspension, and he's clearly learned nothing from it. And then, even the way John Morant, who's been really quiet since this happened, he puts a statement out probably 30 minutes after Silver puts these comments out there, and that was obviously by design. And I think you said you were going to read the statement uh, yeah. that John Morant had, so I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, and anyone on the planet that thinks John Morant wrote this, no. Uh, the statement attributed to John Morant. I know I've disappointed a lot of people who have supported me. This is a journey, and I recognize there is more work to do. My words may not mean much right now, but I take full accountability for my actions. I'm committed to continuing to work on myself. Um, well, that's a direct conflict from your actions. There's no question about this. I mean, th this is not second chance. This is not third chance. This is not fourth chance. This is not fifth chance. This is not sixth chance. This is the seventh incident where he's been involved in a situation with a gun, um, with a group of guys that are not, you know, let's just say they're not part of law enforcement when he goes to uh, uh, right or wrong, so to speak. And that's not the way we do things. You know, we still are supposed to have law enforcement. You have an issue with somebody, you don't take it into your own hands. You know, take a gun and go intimidate them. That's not how we're supposed to handle things. And I, and I want to say this for the NBA. You know, Adam Silver wants to talk about, you know, the gun. And, you know, they want to talk about gun violence and everything else. And a lot of these players have great platforms, and they use their platforms for political reasons. And I may have missed it. I may have missed it. 
But how many times have these players stood up and said, you know, what we're doing in the black community right now, killing each other with guns, is horrendous. And ninety, uh, it's in the 96th percentile, I believe, when you're talking about black people, black on black crime and gun violence in the inner cities. I mean, it's the numbers are off the charts. Look at Chicago every weekend, okay? And this is this would be, a, I would think, a great chance for some of these NBA players to stand up and say, "Hey, what are we doing? You know, gangbangers. Why are we shooting each other? Why are we shooting each other in these inner cities? Let's start attacking this problem and start with Ja Morant. You know, saying we got to stop this." We got to stop this, this, this senseless gang gun violence that, and, and, and again, folks, the guns are, the guns are bad. I get it. But the people with the guns are the ones pulling the trigger. Okay. It, this is, these are the things that have to be talked about. And LeBron James could use his platform, his considerable platform to start telling young black men, stop it. Stop killing each other. Stop this. This is we're, it's it's almost to genocide levels. Now we could talk about you know all these other issues and guns, but we can't talk about this. This is an issue that that the NBA players aren't talking about. Why not? Did I miss it? Are, well, are, are well, there? I think in the case of LeBron, he's done a lot for and been an advocate for making life better for those coming through the inner cities, and you know the whole I Dream School thing. Yeah, is a, is a great initiative. So. Oh, f- f- fantastic! Absolutely, those are wonderful and things. I think, but and I think that we yeah. want to talk about you know specifically about police violence against black black people. All right, and I obviously when those things happen, they should be addressed a hundred percent. But when you're talking about the vast majority of gun violence issues, it's black on black crime. It's inner city. It's Chicago. It's New York. It's L.A these criminals being put back out on the street to kill more people. And nobody's talking about that. And this seems like a perfect time for them to start addressing that issue, which is much bigger in numbers and it's not even close. And you hear nothing, you hear nothing about it. And I think this would be a good time for them to do that. Well, in in the larger issue too, and I said this yesterday and, and silver kind of alluded to it, is you know John Moran is a role model to to these yes kids. and exactly my and, point and Adam Silver said it there's this is a global game now it's every country is watching the NBA at record levels at the moment mm-hmm. and you have tens of million kids is the way he phrased it that are seeing what John Moran is doing right and when he's running around you know just flashing his gun and, and doing whatever he wants to do and intimidating people with his with guns with his group then come on. Why can't why can't we talk about it? and this is it's like they, they tiptoe around it and when they, when you don't think kids are are watching this going well hey John Moran it's cool I got to go get me a gun I I just, you know and, the, and I and I just really can't I, I, what's the explanation to be you know just going up and down the road in a car or a truck whatever and just waving a gun like who does that it's not normal behavior. At the end of the day, John Moran. Not in your world. John Moran. Not in your world, but go to South Chicago. It's pretty normal. Well, I I mean, I'm just speaking to John Moran in particular right now, and it's not normal behavior in my opinion, and he has to be held accountable for it. And the way that Silver speaks, you know, he thought eight games was a pretty, you know, considerable suspension for this, for the first incident. And it sounds like now 
He's got to make a big example out of this that this stuff won't be tolerated, and I think he's probably going to throw the entire book at Ja Morant. I, I don't know if Ja Morant is going to play a single minute of basketball next year based on what Adam Silver said. And the statement that you said there's no way Ja Morant wrote it, you know, it sounds like a statement that you got from statement or from statements are us. That's exactly what it to me what it sounded like. Like he just picked it out of a file of all right, let me find the apology accountable statement. There it is. Let me pull GPT it out. chat. <laughs> yeah, the, write the, me an apology. Yeah, the GP <laughs> there you go. That's where that kind of sounded like, and he kind of said it, you know, my words mean nothing, and you're right. Your words do mean nothing. They mean absolutely nothing, and he's going to have to build a lot of trust back. If you're Memphis and you have this young core right now that's really exciting and you had a great season, regular season that is, and John Morant was, in, was uh, the poster boy for that, uh, if I'm Memphis, I, I don't know if I want this guy necessarily around at the moment. I mean, we had a big conversation about culture earlier. I can't think of more of a culture killer than someone like this being yeah. around your basketball team. And I don't yeah. know. And, but the thing is, he's already under a big contract. Uh, there's always going to be a market for a talented player like John ja Morant, no matter what he does. That's just that's the world we live in, right? But I don't know how Memphis wants to go forward with him, and I don't know how the NBA can allow him to play uh, moving forward. And it, the, the solution, by the way, is not sending him to Florida uh, to take a week-long course to learn and now he's you know he's learned everything in a week in Florida it's all good now that's not the solution that is not the solution at all that's very hollow in my opinion uh John Morant needs to be accountable for himself he needs to get out of this group of people that he's with and he needs to start surrounding himself with better people uh and that's the only way to me that you're going to find a different John Morant because to your point this is seven incidents now this is seven incidents uh since he's gone since he became a college player and now into the pros so I think he's. I think one more and John Moran. I think his future is probably looking bleak after that. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would agree with that. But again, I. You know. Um, I, I think there's an opportunity here for a real discussion on something that could really, really help the black community. And I. I don't hear it because it's. You know. Politically, it's not part of the narrative, and that's sad because what should matter are the kids and the children in the in these communities. And what it seems the it seems like the political narrative that you ha- are adhered to, it, you can't stray off of that. Even even to help a, a community that des- desperately in need, that these players in this league could certainly affect in a very big way. And you don't ever hear them talking about it. And I, I think that's a missed opportunity. Um, all right, getting to the game last night, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, the the Nuggets just absolutely bitch slapped the Lakers in the first half. And for half of the third quarter, they were up 20 points. Jokic was doing whatever he wanted to do. I think he had 19 and 16 at the half um, and seven assists. Um, he finished with, what, 26, 12, or, and nine assists. But um, no, I'm sorry, that was, those were LeBron numbers. But uh, Jokic controlled the game, and, and that was when AD was on him, who's you know the probably the best big man defender in the league. And Jokic, the best big man scorer in the league, there there was a spin move that Jokic put on AD and went and dunked. I was like, did you? you I was like, damn! I didn't know he was that quick. That was one hell of a move when he spun left and went baseline around AD. He pretty much did whatever he wanted. And then the Lakers did something interesting. They put uh, Hachimura on Jokic, and of course he was pitching it out to guys that were wide open. They started to double team him, and AD 
was kind of playing that help defense. And I, this is going to be interesting to see the chess game here because I think what we'll see in game two is the Lakers will start with Hachimura on AD, I mean on Jokic, and have AD helping out and coming over to double team. And and we'll see what the Nuggets do. Obviously, the Nuggets are going to have to hit their shots because Jokic is so good at finding his his open guys. But I think it's I think it's going to be an interesting chess match, and I, I think it's going to be it's going to be a great series. Well, um, I, I I picked the Nuggets to win, but I think it's going to be a good series. Well, the, the Lakers waited too long yesterday in that game to, yeah. to start playing some defense, especially in transition. Their yeah. transition defense it was lazy. The first three quarters, yeah. I was like, oh, here we go. This is one of those games where the Lakers are just out of it completely. They seem like they're disinterested. They just weren't playing it. They weren't playing any defense. They were offering zero resistance whatsoever. Jokic was controlling the game, which, by the way, again, he, he should have won three MVPs in a row. Okay, this guy is absolutely. absolutely insane. He ended yesterday 34 points, 21 rebounds, 14 assists, 3 for 3 from 3, 12 of 17 from the field. Almost as perfect as a game as you can play in the modern NBA uh, for yeah. a guy who really is, like you said, he's got sneaky athleticism to him, I'd argue, even though he's, he's obviously, he, he slows the game down to a tempo that yeah. I think only him and Luka are capable of doing, but it's so effective. It's so effective, and you see the, the committee scoring they had last night. Uh, everybody in double figures... Um, uh, during the, in the starting lineup, and they only they only run an eight man rotation, and I think seven of them ended up in double figures last night. So they get it from everywhere. That's winning basketball. That's tough <laughs> to beat. It's tough to beat. They kind of had their way. Uh, and the Lakers, you know, the Lakers shot the same percentage from the field as the Nuggets did, and likewise, the the Lakers kind of had their way with things. And I don't understand for the life of me why Mike Malone wanted Jamal Murray to cover LeBron. That to me just made zero sense why Jamal Murray was on LeBron for majority of the game. I thought LeBron maybe could have taken advantage of it a little bit more. Like, he only mm-hmm. took 16 shots. Scored 126 points in that game. Typically, you'd think that'd be enough to win, but LeBron only shot 16 times. And that's kind of what we've been saying. This is not LeBron's... They're not running things through LeBron this year. He's delegating a little bit. He's finally got the team around him that allows him to be effective, but I thought he could have taken that over just a little bit. Uh, Anthony right. Davis put up 40, so that's good to see for the Lakers that he was in it last night. And if they're going to win, they just need they need Anthony Davis to show up four times. At the end of the day, they need him to show up for four times throughout this series. So, but I think the Lakers. But he showed up last night, and as to your point, it wasn't enough. No, it wasn't enough. I thought they needed to steal that game last night, getting it back to three with mm-hmm. Reeves making back to back threes there at the end. Uh, he's been such a revelation for that Laker team this year. Uh, but it was, LeBron missed a three that would have tied it. That was yes, a big shot. Yes, and I will say, I thought that three, though, as much as I wanted LeBron to take over that game a little bit, I did not like that three-point shot that he took. I thought he forced yeah. it a little bit. Uh, I don't think he necessarily had as much space in that moment. I think it was Aaron Gordon, who I want to say was on him there, and he was sticking him pretty hard. And, LeBron, and they had plenty of time on the shot clock to kind of move around, and they were getting open looks, I thought, throughout that second half. So... I think that was an ill-advised shot. And even at the end of the game, when LeBron turned it over, when Murray kind of poked his hand in there and Jokic stole the ball, I saw the Lakers just completely fall apart and quit right there in that moment. I know that it was the end of the game and the chances of them winning were slim at that moment. But LeBron gets stripped right away, and you think while Jokic is holding the ball, you foul him right away and extend the game. LeBron just kind of stopped and didn't do anything. And then the Lakers kind of let the Luggets just kind of run around with the basketball. 
and then fouled them after like eight seconds have gone off the clock, right. and by then the game is over. So I'm not sure what the Lakers are doing there, but I'm just glad that that game turned into a to what it was because after the first half, you thought, okay, I can turn this game off now. <laughs> Nothing else is happening yeah. this night, uh, but it should be a fun series. It should be a fun series, but to your point, I, I still lean Nuggets, and they kind of proved that here in game one. Yeah, and uh, James uh, mentions that uh, Joker was a second-round pick. You know, Austin Reeves wasn't even drafted, right? He wasn't even drafted. Nope. Uh, it, it's interesting that I think what we've seen in the last, the evolution of the NBA is, you know, this whole Phoenix Suns, give up your whole team for Kevin Durant, and you can win with two stars. You know what, you're going to throw eight in there. Um, you can't. You know, the the in the uh, the Bucks proved that as well. This is this is turned into a you know back into a team league. And when you look at the the Warriors, you know they that's what they've been. They've, you know, yes, Steph and Clay and Draymond have been the big, but you've always gotten you know critical um, input from from a Wiggins. Uh, you know, you've just it, it seems to me now that the model to win the championship is mu- is maybe two stars and a lot of uh, three three or four really good uh, players around them. Uh, and maybe even with with, with uh, I mean, you could argue that the the Bucks were more just one star in in some really good players around them, right? So, I which I like, by the way. I think this is it's better for basketball. It's better for it's better for watching, and that's what the Nuggets are, right? They're one star and a bunch of you know four or five really good players. As you said, they go eight deep, and any one of those guys can get you fifteen twenty a night. And that's what you need. Well, all, that's good basketball. All four teams that are left, I think, are kind of the same model. To be yeah. honest, I mean, you have LeBron and AD, yeah. and I don't consider D'Angelo Russell a star necessarily anymore. I think he's just really a, good player. He's just a good. He's a good point guard. He's a good point guard. Yeah. He wasn't great last night by any means, but I think typically he's a good player. And then you have Reeves, Hachimura, Vanderbilt to kind of throw around them. The Nuggets we mentioned, the Celtics. It's Tatum and, Brown. and they were terrible with just Westbrook. Exactly, with the Lakers. Exactly. Right? Uh, you know, when you turn Westbrook into those, basically those four guys, and it totally changed your team. Yeah, and if you you mentioned the Suns. I maintain that if the Suns wouldn't have done anything at the deadline, and they would have kept they would have kept Michael Bridges, and they would have kept Cam Johnson. And Bridges, by the way, you saw it in the, when he was with the Nets. He's capable of putting up forty on any given night. Clearly, so I think if the Suns might have kept what they had there, and they had more depth because that's what they sorely lacked, and it became yep. just the Booker show. And if KD was going to show up or not, maybe the Suns yeah. it would have turned out differently for them. I think they they sorely misjudged. I think where the league is going right now. Right. I don't think you can go through four rounds with two guys carrying you the whole way. I just don't think it's possible. I think the, there's too much talent in this league. You know, the, these guys are coming out of nowhere, you know, scoring 30, 40 points a game. And, and there's just there's so much talent in the league. Guys just need opportunities. I really believe that. They just need opportunities. When, you know, Reeves is a perfect example. That Joker is a perfect example of that. There's a lot of great players and guys get slotted in, and they get their shots and what have you. But it, to me, it's much more of a team game that's having success in the league. And I think that's good for the league. It makes it more, you know, th- teams are more going towards the, the Warriors model and away from, you know, the Brooklyn Nets model, which I think it obviously was a, was a failed model, and the Sixers model. It, that doesn't, doesn't work. Doesn't work. All right, we'll take another quick break. When we come back, we'll do a little uh, Buccaneers stuff. They, you know, interesting signing in the past couple of days, I think, that kind of went under the radar that I wanted to talk about. And there's a lot of chatter about um, the quarterback situation. I was texting with Sal Palantonio yesterday, and uh, he had a couple of interesting takes. So we'll get to that when we come back. We're brought to you by the great folks at the Golden Diamond Source. 
Uh, and congratulations to Julie and Steve Weintraub. They were up at the White House in Washington, D.C. this past week getting uh, two great honors, um, national recognition for Julie's work uh, with domestic violence victims and the Golden Diamond Source as a small business leader in this country. So congratulations to them. And uh, always a great place to shop, whether you're looking for that engagement ring, uh, if you're looking for that special something for a birthday or a graduation gift, it's always the Golden Diamond Source. You're just looking to have some fun and go look at what they have. Go do it. They got great watches in there. Guys, if you want uh, to take a look at some of their Rolex collection, uh, check it out. It's the Golden Diamond Source, 3800 Omerton Road, always online at thegoldendiamondsource.com. All right. Where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up. They're going down. They're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. 
I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by, never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Ladies and gentlemen, are you looking to lose weight or just lean up for bathing suit season where there are so many diets and chiropractors and weight loss clinics out there? You don't know where to start, right? We'll start at Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Chris Lugo, PA, and his professional staff will devise a personal plan for you that gets results and will help you keep the weight off. Everybody metabolizes food and supplements differently. Many of these other approaches are designed for the masses. So how's that going to work for you specifically? It's not. Chris will spend one-on-one time with you to find out what works best for you so the weight comes off safely without the use of harmful drugs and side effects. Call 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fans dream sports. Welcome back to the JP Peterson show here as we uh, roll on. Going to talk a little Buccaneers and uh, also going to talk a little bit about Deion Sanders and what's going on in Colorado. I'll give you an update there as we uh, as we come back here. Brought to you by the great folks at the Jeeves Law Group and Italiano Insurance and Bay Area Modern Medical Center. If you're looking to get some testosterone replacement, folks, great place to do it, Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Get your immune system back working again. If you're having issues with getting sick all the time, um, if you've had some issues with long COVID or maybe um, vaccine issues, that's something else that they do over at Bay Area Modern Medical Center. There's a protocol to help you with that as well. So lots of great things going on over there, B-A-M-M-C. Dot com is the place to go get an appointment go talk with chris lugo over there and they're on top of all the latest modern techniques to get you feeling good and headed in the right direction bammc.com um all right so the other day the buccaneers signed 28 year old receiver uh david moore who played with uh seattle very interesting player uh really good speed um, four, I think he ran a four three five at the combine, um, but was a seventh round pick for the Seahawks. Had a breakout year in 2018. Had 26 receptions for 445 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, those aren't huge numbers, obviously. He was also utilized out of the backfield at 12 uh, rushing attempts for 91 yards, according to the Pewter Report. Uh, as a punt returner, ran back kicks as well. So, I mean, not a super big game-changing player here. It's not a first-round pick, obviously, but I think a guy that gives you a little bit of insurance, a guy that also knows the system, and and clearly, um, you know, this is uh, a guy that can come in and, and maybe teach some of the other guys the nuances uh, of this new offense, and, and clearly 
they've worked with him together in Seattle. So kind of a sneaky, a sneaky signing there. Um, six foot, two hundred fifteen pounds, four four three forty. So uh, and, and Brad Idzik, the the uh, Seahawks coordinator, uh, or um, I'm sorry, receivers coach, worked with him, and obviously Dave Canales, the new OC, worked with him as well. So. Kind of an interesting signing, you know. It's not going to reverberate too well, but I think he might be a guy that can help certainly on special teams. And that's another thing that we haven't really talked a whole lot about this draft. This draft is stock full of guys that have played special teams, uh, including Servasier Dennis. Um, so that's something where the Bucks have not been good, and they need to be better. And hopefully, if you get more talent that's used to playing on special teams, you might be better. Yeah, it's not so, a signing that's going to uh, knock your sock off, knock your socks off or anything. I guess you could say, but they're looking for some depth behind the big three of Evans, Godwin, and Gage, and in particular, they need somebody who can stretch the field and get vertical because we know this offense has a history of doing that. And you know, I know Mike can get vertical, but I don't think that's really his. I don't want to say that's his his main part of his game that he's successful in, really is getting down the field, and as he gets older... You and I will disagree on that. Uh, I think he does a great job of it. No, I'm saying he does a great job of it, but I don't think that's his main role, necessarily, is really going deep and stuff like that. I can. I, I just disagree with that. I think because he's a big guy, people think he can't get deep and doesn't get vertical, but look at no, all the I'm times not, that I'm he did s- that with Brady over the last three years. I'm not saying big that. Big moments. I just don't think that's his... I don't think that's his number one role, necessarily, is to be the guy that goes vertical. I think they would much. I, I, I know, maybe not number one role, but he's dangerous enough. Yeah, I know he's that dangerous. He can do enough. that. He's dangerous enough, but yeah. I don't want Mike Evans, especially ten years in the league, thirty years old. I don't want him running vertical that crazy like that all the time. And I don't think the Bucks do either. They need somebody who can stretch the field. That's not one of those main three guys because they don't have anybody that fits that profile necessarily. Uh, Trey Palmer. They do now. Trey Palmer fits that yeah. profile. I know that. Uh, Devin Tompkins, who I know you're high on, I think he can fit that, that profile. Kid. Uh, this Rakeem Jarrett, who we haven't talked about a lot, the undrafted receiver, uh, they seem to be a little high on him. And now you add David Moore into there, who can definitely do that. So you got Trey Palmer. Don't forget about the draft pick. Yeah, I mentioned Palmer. You got four guys. Yeah. You got four guys there now that are kind of back into that profile. I'm sure they're going to keep six receivers, if I had to guess. So now it's probably uh, so now you have four guys competing for three spots, I'd assume, because they need to find somebody who can kind of replace that Scotty Miller role of right. of yesteryears. Uh, the good thing is with Palmer is he's not just a one-trick pony. He can do other things as well. You don't get to 1,000 yards just doing nothing but verticals all day. Just, you don't Agreed. typically yeah. do that. So I think he's definitely the leader in the clubhouse to be that fourth guy. But uh, Moore knows the system, as you mentioned. Canales has worked with him. You like guys that have familiarity. And if Baker Mayfield's the guy, I'm here to tell you that he has one of the more underrated arms, deep ball throwers in the league. He has a cannon there attached to him he does and I think the Bucks, based on what we saw last year they need to take advantage of that this year and I think there's um there's some thoughts out there that um well first of all I, I was texting with Sal Pal yesterday and he was like and I said uh, you know we we're just joking around I said Baker Mayfield comeback player of the year next year and he's like wait I thought Trask was going to be the quarterback and I was like eh. Uh, Canales, I think, explained it the other day very well why he wants a competition. And I think that's great because I think it makes both players better. But there is a, a feeling that at some point you have to settle on a starter and get that guy ready, right? And that'll, you know, it'll be an organic competition. They'll decide when they need to decide. But, you know, to me, the more and more I hear about this offense and look at this offense, 
And then you, you throw the fact in, I mean, Baker Mayfield's been in this league for what, four year, five years now? Mm-hmm. Four year, five years? I mean, that's a huge head start. Kyle Trask has never thrown a meaningful pass in the NFL. I mean, yeah, he got in the fourth quarter, the last meaningful, you know, meaningless game against Atlanta. He's never thrown a competitive pass in the National Football League. That's a huge disadvantage in this, you know, in this competition. You're, he's going to have to be so much better than Baker Mayfield, I think, to win this competition. And I don't think he's that much better. He may be better, but he's not that much better. And I think, you know, Todd Bowles has no time to sit around and make let some rookie make mistakes. I feel bad for Kyle Trask. It's not an even playing field. Sorry. But, you know, welcome to the NFL. Baker may get hurt. You may get your shot. Who knows? But I still think it's Baker's job to lose. And I think in this offense with this type of weapons, as you mentioned, Baker can throw the deep ball. He can throw, he can throw all of it. He can throw it all. He can do it all on the run. And if you can get him to buy into this, and, and here's the thing, he throws a couple of picks in the preseason or throws a lot of picks in practice. He, that's the, that he'll lose the job doing that because you can tell Dave Canales does not suffer uh, fools when it comes to turnovers in this, in this offense. And if Baker shows that he's going to do that, then you're not going to play. Well, look but at, I think, if, look, yeah, look at where Dave Canales comes from with Seattle, and he had he had Russell Wilson for the entire time was there. I don't recall Russell Wilson turning the ball over that much, especially through the a end. little bit at the end. Yeah, that last year was not not his best. Last year was not pretty, no. but I don't recall he didn't do that for the majority of his career. And Geno Smith no, certainly he did not. Geno Absolutely Smith certainly not. did not do that much last year as well. So Dave Canales has had a full decade of quarterbacks to see that. They just don't give away the ball. So I, I absolutely agree that it's not going to be tolerated. And that seems to be the most important thing to him. I think what he said at his press conference last week, he's like, I'm just looking for the guy that when I – I think he used the, uh, his, his 11-year-old son as an example. Can you throw a Nerf ball and hit my son every single time, you know, 10 yards away or 20 yeah. yards away, whatever, with a Nerf ball? You know, that's who I'm right. looking for to be this guy. Um, and Kyle didn't – to Kyle's credit – he didn't. When we saw him at Florida, when he was playing meaningful football in the SEC in 2020, he didn't turn the football over either. He never did. No. Uh, I haven't seen much of him in the preseason, but I don't recall him doing it as much there as well. So maybe that gives bit. him a shot, yeah. maybe. But uh, to your point, Baker just has the upper hand, I think, in everything. You hear the way that Canales talks about him, and he mentions like that swag and everything. I feel like his personality might lend himself to this team more so than Kyle Trask probably will. I, I would agree with that. Um, before we get out of here, we wanted to have this, and we may do this another time, maybe a little bit more extended. Um, but Deion Sanders is making huge waves uh, in college football. Got, he just got a transfer from Houston, Alton McCaskill, a running back. He had 16 touchdowns last year, um, and he got another four-star recruit in the 24 class. Uh, you know, Everywhere you go, he's got – NFL players hanging out. They sold out season tickets in Colorado for a program that was one and eleven. Uh, I mean, you could say he's getting big time transfer. He's twenty six transfers just in the spring portal after the spring, including three guys from FSU that were pretty good players. But when you hear FSU folks talk, those guys weren't going to start, so no. they were looking for greener pastures. And you know, I think Dion. I don't think there's any question that he's targeting Florida State. For whatever reason, maybe because they didn't hire him when they hired Norvell, but he is making sure that if there are any players available at FSU, that he's going to snatch him up. Um, so I, I for whatever it is. It's clear, it's clear as day 
It is clear as day. Even look at there was you know there was one player drafted in this draft that was from an HBCU. There was one, Isaiah Bolden. Where was Isaiah Bolden at before he was at Jackson State? He was at Florida State, right? And he transferred yep. to Dion. Coincidence? I don't think so. Uh, we already talked we talked in length about Travis Hunter. Where did he end Sam up? Sam McCall. Sam McCall. Travis Hunter. Uh, even Kevin Campbell. McClendon. If you remember, Kevin Campbell was a top 50 recruit that FSU was was supposed to get. And just like Travis yep. Hunter, he pulled a 180 and went to Jackson State. He could have picked any other players in the top 100 of that recruiting class. But he picked the two that were committed to Florida State. That's by design. And now he's taken five players from the portal who were from FSU. So it seems I like- will say this. I will say this. I don't want to say – I don't want to demean the character – of these guys, I don't know them. All right, I don't cover the program like I used to cover it. But I'm in a group chat with a lot of guys that do. They go to practice, know all the coaches, very, very involved. And they'll be the first to tell you that most of those guys are not guys that Mike Norvell wants wanted to play huge roles in the program. Nobody, any of those guys, and that includes Sam McCall, who's a five-star recruit. And they may turn out to be great players, and I hope they do. I really hope they do. I hope they have great careers, and they flourish, and they make tons of money. They're great at Colorado. I, I wish them no ill will at all. But if you're, as a Florida State fan, I'm just telling you, guys that are in the know in this group chat, none of them really – now, McClendon was a good player. I think they feel like that that kid, is that was a loss. But he knew he wasn't going to get the attention that Jared Burst was going to get, and he has some young players coming up behind him that were probably going to take a lot of his snaps. So he wanted to go somewhere where he could play, and I wish him the best. Good for him. Um, But all these guys don't fit the profile that FSU was looking for in terms of fitting into the team concept. So, And this is the thing with the portal. He's got 26 that came in from the recent portal, 53 total transfers, and only 12 scholarship players from Colorado last year remain for this year. Twelve! 12 out of 85. Now listen, they were 1 and 11. So, you know. Hey, he told them on the why first, not? he told them on the right. first meeting, get your bags packed and get on out of here. He told them so right I'm away. Not, I mean, I don't I'm not sitting here saying it's the wrong the wrong thing to do, but it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's unprecedented. It's very unprecedented and it's just I wonder how for year 1 because Colorado's getting all this buzz and like so many people are sending in bets for Colorado to be in the playoff which seems so silly oh, to me. Oh, no, I'm making a playoff. Come on. It seems so silly to me. Uh listen, it's year 1, t- expectations need to be tempered and when you're bringing in this many new players, establishing the right culture, the right fit, the chemistry, the camaraderie, all those things. I don't know how you do that with 53 <laughs> new players and counting. And counting. Yeah. Last night, yeah. they had a player commit during Dion's live stream. He commented on the live stream that Dion was doing on Instagram and said, I'm committing. Like, they're doing it. They're having all these unorthodox ways that guys are committing now. That was one yesterday. So they're continuing to get their recruits, but this is not going to be a quick fix. This was it. They were 1 in 11. And Shadur Sanders, especially because quarterback is such a big deal here, I think Shadur Sanders can play Division One football. I do. But let's not act like. Playing at Jackson State is the same thing like playing in the Pac-12. It's not. No. And I believe their first game of the season, they play a really, I can't even think of who it is right now, but I know they play a, pr- a primetime opponent. It might be Utah or something like that. Like I think it is, yeah. It, it yeah. might be a, a slice of humble pie right away for Colorado. It, it just might. We, we shall see, but it's going to be the most amazing 
experiment with, you know, now the new rules with NIL and transfer portal. And if, and if, if Dion has great success, he's already having great financial success. They've sold out. Then I think you're going to see more of these. But here's the thing. When's the last time a great NFL player, Hall of Famer, became a great college coach? <clears throat> Look at the great college coaches. Saban, Kirby, Dabo. They're all scrappy defensive back, wide receivers, minimal talent guys. Became, became great coaches.